All right, what's up, Miduele podcast listeners and others who are joining us for this uh, newest episode of the Miduele podcast. So grateful to have Dirk Cowley on with us and first-time co-host Jason Lang. Uh, I'll just give you a short introduction about what we talk about so you know what's coming. Uh, Dirk, longtime racer and advocate of all things bike racing, whether it's here in Utah, in Europe, or around the country. He is a prolific bike racer. If you go and, and look at his history of how many events and races he has done, it truly is uh, inspiring. This guy knows what he is talking about when it comes to organizing events, why events are important, and specifically what racing can do for the community of Salt Lake City cycling and, and Utah cycling. So uh, grateful to have Dirk on. He is actually in charge and, and starting a new business called Utah Cycling Events. And he will tell you about the business uh, as we get into the podcast. Essentially, it is a, a gold standard company to both run and help other event directors run races uh, for the next three years. He's got a three-year commitment to turn around the environment and culture and how Utah racing is being handled. Uh, he's doing this just a love of this uh, this state, a love of bike racing, and especially for his wisdom uh, that he can kind of pass on to other bike racers in a way that will help grow this community and, and in his opinion, turn it around. So a three-year project right now. Um, you'll hear all about it, hear about the races that he's got planned for 2022, how you can be involved, and then some really solid advice on how to be just a, a good, effective bike racer, uh, how to train and how to balance your life. So with that, uh, grateful for the episode. Hope you enjoy it and hope you can get involved. I'll include the link to utahcyclingevents.com and you can go and see how you can be involved and what the events look like. Uh, so in the show notes, you'll see that link. All right. Enjoy. All right. Uh, welcome everybody. Grateful to have you here. Um, Stuart here joined by first time co-host, Mr. Jason Lang. Jason, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. You bet. And then, uh, we're joined by Utah cycling legend. Is that okay to call you legend Dirk? I don't know about legend. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dirk Cowley's joining us. Um, so you have heard his name. You've probably connected with him in uh, a, a lot of different ways that we're going to talk about today. The, the biggest is um, Dirk has been a huge part of Utah cycling racing for, for 30 years, not only from the racing aspect, but also from the business aspect. He owns Race Day Event Management, which is not just Utah-based. It's, it's national uh, when it comes to organizing, tracking, and and taking care of uh, race day events, especially timing. Um, so y- you've emailed him, you've seen him on Facebook. Dirk, I sent a picture of you on a podium down in St. George to Jason. I said, this is the guy. And uh, man, you are fit. You are, you look the part. And we're so grateful for all you've done for, for Utah Cycling. And I can't wait to, to talk about what you've got planned for 2022. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. Now the first thing I said was, "Look at those legs." Yes. Those on <laughs> hey, and if you if you don't know Jason, um, so Jason, why don't you give a just a quick history of kind of how you connected with the team and um, uh, just for people who don't know you. Sure. Uh, so Jason Lang, I live in Holiday, kind of in the heart of the Midwelly crew. I moved into the neighborhood a few years ago and had. Um, 
never sat on a road bike or <laughs> even thought about putting on full spandex um, and had some some good neighbors like Spencer Chipping and uh, and um, they encouraged me to get on the bike and give it a shot. And so I borrowed my brother's bike and rode up immigration with Adam Marriott um, and kind of hated every second of it, but loved it. And I could tell how easy it was for him and how hard it was for me. And that was very motivating to me. Like I can, I can do better. And um, the great thing about cycling is you can, you can always get a little bit better somehow, whether it's with your training or your tactics or, or whatever it is. And um, was introduced to a bunch of great guys like Stu and they accepted me into the team with open arms. And I just kind of never looked back, just caught the bug. It's good when you ride with good, friendly, fast people to motivate you. So that's it. He's being, he's being humble. Um, already an accomplished racer, uh, incredible, uh, discipline that dirt, you know, just mentioned as we were, um, chatting before, I mean, Jace is extremely disciplined when it comes to coaching and making sure that he's doing what is effective and is really for me, like watching you, Jason, get stronger, smarter, faster has been, dude, it's awesome. So well done. Great example. Um, Dirt, do you want to, did I miss anything with your introduction? You want to tell us a little bit about yourself and um, kind of your background and where you're coming from? Well, I, I started racing, I don't know, 33 years ago, 34 years ago. Um, I kind of got, when I worked for Boise Cascade Wholesale, there were a group of guys there that every year would take mountain bikes and go down to Moab, down to Slick Rock. And as I moved up to Boise Cascade, one time I got invited to go down and I went to believe it or not, I went to Gart, Gart Sports Brothers and bought a Panasonic <laughs> mountain bike, went to Moab and rode for a week with all those guys and really got, really got hooked on it and did my first mountain bike race up at, um, Rustler's Run up at, up at Alta and, um, just really got hooked. And the first couple of years I, I raced on the Norba circuit against some of the great Norway guys. And, um, and then there was a, a, a criterium series called the International Center. And um, somebody once told me that if you were going to be a great mountain bike racer, you needed to learn how to ride on the road. So I went, I bought a mountain bike, the first clipless pedals fell over in the intersection right out of the bike shop. Went out, rode out to the International Center to see what that was all about. And a guy by the name of Dwight Hipton paid my $3 entry fee and I raced my first race, the International Center, and um, I think it was two months later, I sold all my mountain bike stuff and bought all road stuff, and I've never been on a mountain bike since. So over the year, <laughs> I mean, I kept falling down. That was my problem. I could never ride a mountain bike without falling down four or five times, but um, I really, I really liked the ability to go out and race on the road and the speed, the tactics, saw the you know race through the golden years unfortunately i was mentored by a bunch of really great guys terry mcginnis uh, marty jemison ryan littlefield uh, to name a couple i mean they were kind of the guys steve johnson it, back in that era and that's you know we used to do these 200 rider group rides on saturday and sunday 
and that's where you learn to race your bike. That's where you got to be friends with people. And I can I can't tell you how many times Steve Johnson and look at me and those guys that I'd wind up 60 miles from home all by myself and come limping back home. And <laughs> well, I was back at it the next day or the next weekend. So, and over those, over that period of time, I've been very fortunate to race in Europe. Um, I haven't missed a trip to Europe except the last two years because of COVID. So I've been over there 30 times, 30 years. I've been very fortunate to win a national championship and I have world masters stage race championship. I've got six titles and it's been a great, it's been a, a phenomenal 35 years on the bike for me. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. If you're watching the video, uh, you can see Dirk's collection of his uh, accomplishments, his jerseys in the back. What'd you call that room when we were doing our introduction? I said, everybody has to have a trophy room. Trophy room. <laughs> <laughs> it looks a lot like Dave. Dave Sharp's got one that is very beautiful. So that's awesome. Hey, last week, uh, Dirk and I, we're talking um, about a new um, race company that he is starting for 2022 for road cycling. Uh, but more importantly, Dirk, I wanted you to address, so you kind of traveled the company and have your pulse on what is happening in America's road race world, but also Utah's, what you're seeing. Will you describe what kind of motivated you, um, what is driving what's happening uh, in Utah cycling and, and uh, United States cycling? Well, so over the last probably three to four years, I've, I've been very fortunate to be able to be involved in some of the biggest events in the country from a registration result management standpoint. As a contract employee for Tulsa Tough and Boise Twilight and Tora Walla Walla and Tour de Bloom. But over that over that period of time it's been really it's been very noticeable the change in some of the dynamics around the country and listening to riders and trying to figure out exactly what it is riders were looking for and why some events were so successful and other events struggled so hard and then also coming back to utah and seeing that the dynamic had changed so drastically and we were seeing, I mean, we used to get three, 400 riders at, at competitive cycling events in Utah. And we saw that down now to where, you know, if you're lucky, if you get 200, I mean, there are a couple of venues that always will get a couple of hundred people, but the rest of the venues, I mean, great venues, great races were, were not getting the kind of draw. And it was kind of like, wow, I wonder what's changed. And so, you know, in taking what I've learned around the country and listening to other people and then talking to people who really have, the, who are part of the cycling community in the state of Utah. Mike, uh, Mike at First Endurance and Joe at DNA and James Ferguson. And in talking and listening to them, it was like they saw the same thing. There seemed to be a lack of a lack of number one of community of a cycling community on the racing side. And, and you can go back and look at a lot of things and say, this is what caused that, you know, the birth of teams, the, the USA cycling moving away from clubs needing to promote an event to be a certified club. I mean, there's a lot of pieces in COVID, I think accelerated that process to where we were just seeing fewer and fewer road 
cyclists and, and, and honestly gravel took a lot of riding. You know, people said, Hey, it, when I first started racing mountain bike, there was this huge community and I, I probably no one wants to hear this, but we'd all show up at a mountain bike race and everybody go race their mountain bikes and have a good time. And as soon as the mountain bike racing was over, the party moved to the parking lot and everybody went to the parking lot and it was kind of free for all, to be honest with you, um, beer and whatever else, you know, but it was a big party and that kind of went away and road cycling to some degree had that. And then it kind of shifted away from that and became as it became more of a team oriented sport. You know, everybody had a team and, I'll be the first to admit, Terry McGinnis and I were the first ones in Utah, you know, to really start a Utah Pipes, Utah Pipe Trades cycling team rather than a club. And I think you saw that kind of, some of that moved away and, and gravel now has that, that ability to have this community feel. But I think that we moved away from that when we generated teams because all of a sudden the community side of that disappeared and, you know, I'm riding with my team and I can't ride with your team because you, you'll find out how strong I am and then you'll beat me at the race. So we kind of lost the sense of community. So that being said, uh, Mike Fogarty came to me and he said, and said, what have we got to do, Dirk? We've talked so much about this. What have we got to do to bring road cycling and cycling on the road back to where it was? And I laid out some, I, some things that I thought were causing us problems and said, Mike, this is what we got to do. The biggest issue is from an event director standpoint, when you take an event and I'm going to use, let's just say you've got a criterion in Midvale, you sit down as an event director and, and, and budget what you think it's going to be. And the, co the hard costs are, let's say $6,500. And you put online registration up and one week before the event, you've got 30 riders at a $30 entry fee. You're already almost $5,000 in the hole with no idea of whether you're going to get even enough riders to break even. So you either cancel the event or you put the event on and lose money. And I think what's happened over the last little while besides the, the loss of the community aspect is because of, and COVID accelerated it clearly, is that we had events that would be scheduled and nobody would register and so they'd get canceled. So we, we lost riders because they would say, well, I'm not gonna pre-register because it's not gonna happen and I may not get my money back. Yep. And so, we, we started to see riders move away from the road scene because of that. The other thing is, if you're a new rider and you have never raced before, you would go to a race and the race would be not organized or put together to where there was rider safety and good registration and great results that the riders would never come back again. And once a rider a new rider has come to an event and had not had a good experience and they leave, it's very hard to get that rider back a second time. Yes. So Mike said, what do we have to do? And I said, well, here's some, here's what I would do if it were me. And he said, well, it's you. So I will tell you that we have three incredible sponsors with Mike kind of leading the way at first endurance. He said, 
Mike is the sponsor, the, the title sponsor, along with Cool and DNA Cycling. Mike said, I'm going to underwrite your, your thoughts and your program for the next three years. I want you to put together a website, a Facebook page, a newsletter. I want it to in include community. I want, and he outlined what he wanted me to do to make it work. And I said, Mike, you know what? I'll commit to three years. So that's kind of where started the whole UtahCyclingEvents.com concept was we're going to have, we're going to have events that were we deemed gold star events that have, if you're a gold star event, you have to meet a certain list of criteria. It has nothing to do with categories. It has nothing to do with entry fees. It's all about rider safety, rider feel, registration and result management and the equipment to do it right and the training if an event director needs it to help him produce an event that meets or exceed what we're calling gold gold star events the other part of that that we put together was how do we go back to creating a sense of cycling community in the state of utah and it i think it all boils down to a bunch of things group rides you know in the, in the winter time it's a lot easier to go out and ride when it's cold when you've got 10 or 15 or 30 or 40 guys together to go ride than it is to go ride by yourself and hammer out five hours worth of training when it's 32 degrees we don't we need to find a way to get juniors back into the system you can't tell me that nika can get 800 kids at a mountain bike race and we can't get four new juniors every year <laughs> There's a, there's a disconnect there somewhere. We've got to figure out how to get more women involved in the sport. And, and the, so we added the community piece to that. And all this is now online at utahcyclingevents.com. Everything we've tried to outlay there is there now. Dave, Dave and Brianne have been awesome at, at Plan 7, kind of on the community side, helping kind of get the framework built for the community piece for the you know we're develop, developing the junior program developing a women's program there's there's you know utah bicycle law stepped in and said hey we want to be involved so now there's it's about the law section in there that we're posting utah laws every once a week he's sending a new law we've got a coach's corner that's being developed we've got an officials corner that's being developed so we can start teaching people all the pieces that it takes to be not only a good rider, but a good racer and be able to go to one hub, one spot to find races, to find group rides, to find out what junior programs are, to find out what women programs are, to find out opportunities for coaching, to find out opportunities to find, to, to learn the rules. And then really the big pieces, Hey, I'm a new rider. I want to go ride with a bunch of guys. You can go there, and I think as it develops over the next months, you'll be able to go there and see that the Plan 7 ride is on Sunday at 9 o'clock at Three Cups Coffee, and it's a Level 1 or a Level 2 or a Level 3 group ride. So you know you're not going you're not going to show up and five minutes after the start as a brand-new rider who's never ridden in a group, you get shelled out the back, and, and there again, you have a bad experience. We're working on a ride ambassador program. So um, DNA is probably going to 
supply either vests or jackets that are a certain color. And if you agree to be a ride ambassador, that means on the group rides, you're there to you know, you're there to be the ambassador and to make sure that if it's a level one ride, that's a beginner ride, it doesn't go right out of the bat at 30 miles an hour and drop people. So that's kind of the whole, it's kind of a broader picture, but it's, it's exploded. I mean, I have, I've had um, a tremendous response from a lot of riders and a lot of people we've added, we've added a few more people to what we're calling the advisory group. It clearly is. I've always felt, and when I started the Utah, I started the Utah Cycling Association years ago. And when it's one person, you can steer the ship really easy. It's more like a destroyer than it is like the Queen Mary. We can turn this ship pretty quick. We don't have to have a board meeting, but I do have a really strong group of advisors and they're all listed on the website so that hopefully, and they're all in the cycling community that they're the ones who are gonna keep me headed in the right direction. But if we have to turn this ship, we're gonna turn it pretty quick but we're going to do it with a lot of thought and, and input from and there's 12 or 13 guys on and girls on the advisory group at this point. Nice. So that, that kind of answer the question. Yeah. Very good. I have two, I have two follow-up questions and maybe uh, Jason can follow up too. Um, I want to know from you personally, why this matters. Why would you put so much into this? Well, Again, cycling has done over 35 years in the cycling community, both racing, promoting from the business side. Cycling has given me, like I told, like I mentioned earlier, if you don't love this sport, you don't stick around in it. But it's given me a lot of opportunities. I mean, I've traveled around the world and raced my bike. I have friends all over the world who I talk to all the time. Australia and France and Germany and Austria and, and Poland and Slovenia. I talk to these guys all the time. I mean, that's the one nice thing about the internet is I can, I can hit Facebook or zoom or, and I can talk to my friends that we never could do that before, but it's given me some great highs, but it's taught me some really hard lessons too not only from a racing side, but from a business side. I mean, I've failed greatly and I've succeeded greatly. If I don't do it, I, I am to the point that I strongly believe that if we don't do something right now, we're not gonna, we're gonna go back to road racing where it was when I first started road racing, which was Hammer at the Slammer that Daryl Davis put on, Taurus St. George, which is a three-day stage race in St. George, and the Snowbird Hill Climb, three races, that's what it was when I started. And then Antelope Island came on. I can tell you, when I first started really racing road, I, I, I wish I could show you some pictures. We used to tie six or seven bicycles on top of a car with rope. We would bust out of here Friday at 12 o'clock, and we would drive to Southern California or Northern California, and we would race on Saturday and Sunday tie the bikes back on top of the roof again and drive through the night so we could get back to be to work at eight o'clock in the morning. But I have such a passion and such a belief that cycling is not just an opportunity to race your bike, but it's a chance to learn about life because 
cycling will teach you about life if you give it a chance. But if we don't do something now, we're going to lose the road side of this thing because there's not, we just, we just need more. We just need some real enthusiasm, I think. And, and I think that we've, that not only myself, but I think the advisory group is, yeah. are enthused about making this thing work. Yeah. Any follow-up, Jay's? Yeah. Um, I, I like a lot of the things that you've said. I, I think a lot about why, racing is kind of dying in Utah too, because there's so many strong cyclists that love to ride their bike. They race each other and themselves on Strava segments all the time. Um, COVID put more people on bikes than, you know, any other time in history. And I just wonder what you think, how do, how do you convert? There's so many people riding their bikes. How, how do you convert the people that like to ride their bikes to people that like to race their bikes and make them feel like the people at the races aren't just a bunch of jerks and that they don't fit in and they, how do you get people to try their first one? Well, I think that's an awesome question, first of all, because believe me, there's not, I don't think there's a day goes by that I don't, when, I mean, I rode today and I can't, I probably passed 15 people. All of us are riding by ourselves. And I think, uh, and I, there again, don't, I will clearly say that COVID has accelerated a lot of this, but the way you get people, the way you get people to go from riding their bike to racing their bike, I think first thing you have to do is you have to get them riding together. Hence Saturday and Sunday group rides. Hey, we're meeting because then all of a sudden they learn to ride with other people and how to, and, and they learn how to ride riding your bike isn't the same as racing your bike because by, by yourself, you can go out and ride. You don't realize what it's like to ride handlebar to handlebar, shoulder to shoulder. And once you figure that out, then all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is kind of fun riding with other people. And you start to build that enthusiasm that says, well, maybe I'll go try a bike race. You don't want to take that new rider and throw them right into a crit because it's scary. I mean, you, I mean, think about the first crit you ever did. I, I remember mine, and boy, I'll tell you what, it was intimidating when you went out the International Center and you had 100 guys out there banging away. I mean, I can remember the first race I did, it scared me so bad. When they, The second race, when they said go, I went off the front and I stayed off the front until I got caught, and then I went out the back. <laughs> but I think if you bring, if you, if we're able to figure out how to get all these people to ride together, and realize that it's really enjoyable and then be able to offer a ability to learn how to race your bike in the training environment and then be able to say, you know what, maybe a group ride isn't the first race you want to do, but you know what, there's a hill climb next Saturday, which is run as a time trial start. So go, let's go try that. And if they go and the course is safe, registration is easy, Results are online immediately, you know, as soon as they cross the line, their results are up on their phone. It's like, whoa, this is really cool. Maybe I should go try a road race. So then they can go find a road race and try that where it's a little bit more shoulder to shoulder rather than individual. I think that that's a, a, a standard progression from riding by yourself to riding with a group to trying a race and then getting hooked on it. But 
if the race isn't put together well, that guy is, especially road races and criteriums where safety is such a concern, that guy's never going to come back the second time. And you're right. And, and I'll be the first one to admit, some of us, some of us can be real jerks at a bike race. When we strap, I always tell everybody, when I strap my helmet on and they say go, we're all like piranhas. We're all good <laughs> and happy as long as there's something to eat. The minute there's nothing to eat, we turn on each other. So you, re you can't judge elite level riders when they've got their helmets on and they're racing. You, and you can't, you got to give them 20 minutes to cool off after the race is over before you judge them. But there again, I think that's part of this whole community thing. We're in such a hurry to get to the race, to do a race, and then get home that we fail to have that parking lot. How you doing, you know? And part of that is we need to figure out, and, and James Ferguson did a great job at Antelope Island. They always had a hot dog. You know, you could always go out there, race at Antelope Island, and have a hot dog afterwards. That's the sense of community that we need to build back, even with the racers. And I think that that, I think that ability is there again. I think there's such a, I think there's going to be such a pent up demand in 2022 that you're going to see that. And, and part of what I'm trying to do with just my races is find that sense of community. Tax day circuit race. We're going to have a Friday night barbecue and a, and a movie in the park. So everybody can come to the park and watch a movie, have a, have a, plate of pasta and a salad and watch a movie and laugh. And then we can go beat each other up on the race course. Does that answer that question, Jason? Yeah, that's great. Nice, Dirk. Maybe you could talk about, uh, Dirk, what, if you have, you have a captive audience here, what do you want us to do? I mean, how can the cycling community help you? Well, I, I've, you know, we pushed this out really, we've pushed out Utah cycling events. I, I put it on Facebook a couple of times. The website is built. The new Facebook Utah cycling events is up. I think that if you've got, if you've got team, if you, I mean, media lay, obviously I think is they're the team that I started to race for before Terry and I formed Utah pipe trades, but if you've got a group ride on the weekends or on a nighttime or go to the website, go to the community side and list your group ride, invite other people other than just you know, get it on the group ride, tell everybody where you're going to meet and then meet at that time. And let's try and get on Saturday and Sunday by the middle of November. My goal is to have a, solid group ride on Saturday and a solid group ride on Sunday. And it, I mean, obviously if there's more than one, that's the way it would be, but there might be a beginner group medial a might opt to do a level one. And when you go in and see that there's a button you can click to list your group ride to list what level it is, kind of the distance, kind of what it is. I would ask that you go in and, and invite other people into your group rights that nice. may, not, may not be wearing your Jersey, but, and, and be welcoming. And, and, and if, if you, if it's supposed to be a level one, ride, Make sure it stays as a level one until, and there again, I would encourage some of your guys who 
who there's a deal on there to become a ride ambassador. We're looking for probably 20 people in the community all, all around at all different levels to be ride ambassadors because really that's where these group rides are where I learned to race my bike. That's where I got hooked was just going with a group of guys. And that's how I learned all that. So I think as a, as a community, I think we need to be, if you're, if you pass somebody say hi, if you see somebody coming wave, but I think if I could get, I, I really think that if we could get the teams to have in, in being more inclusive, in this group ride concept, I think the community will grow and we will, it's a lot more fun to go do a road race with 60 people than it is to do a road race with 10. Yes. And it, I think that that's where I would look for, for the teams and to help, help pull those okay. people away, pull the people back nice. into the racing site through the community. I think it's gotta be a pull from the community to the racing site, but that's what I would ask. The teams to do. Okay, go ahead, James. Do you do you think that there's a place for teams? Would you encourage teams to try and organize the events, the races? Do you? I mean, obviously, you need more races to create this community. Do you have enough people sponsoring events? Do you, or I guess, promoting directing events? Well, in the Jason, in the old days. USA Cycling required that clubs sponsor an event. In the old days, you could put an event on for 200 bucks. I mean, you didn't, it didn't take a lot and it was easy. You didn't have to jump through UDOT and Salt Lake County and every, it seems like for, let's use Midvale Criterium as an example, you have to, you, I will probably spend eight or nine hours in meetings with every city department, getting them to sign off. Well, teams don't have, or clubs really don't have that depth. They, I mean, they shouldn't have to jump through all those hoops, number one, to put a bike race on, but you have to do it. And excuse me, it's hard for clubs to do that unless they have someone who is just so passionate. I mean, most most club members are are working you know they're working eight hour jobs to pay for their you know to take care of their families it's hard for them to do it but i think that it would be so and i think that's you saw the advent of professional event directors when i first started cycling there was no such a thing as a professional event director maybe there was a couple tour de pont you know major stage races philadelphia they were probably professional event directors. But then we saw this as the clubs and team started to grow. There was this movement away from clubs putting on or being affiliated with an event because they didn't have to anymore. And you saw the onslaught of a, a professional event directors in the cycling world. And right, wrong, or indifferent, we really didn't, there was really not an avenue for professional event directors to learn how to do their job putting on an event has to you have literally my events i started permitting them a week ago for next year and working with police and working with permitting agencies and making sure when you tell them you're going to do something you do it right but where the teams could come in and it's very difficult right now is finding 
finding volunteers or finding someone who wants to go stand on a street corner and wave a flag for, you know, eight hour, eight or nine hours a day. So that's where the teams could, and the clubs could come back in say, looking at the calendar and saying, hey, there's an event on May 22nd in Midvale. You know what, Dirk? We'll, we'll be, we'll, we'll supply eight volunteers for four hours. And all of a sudden, then all of a sudden it's, you, that sense of community grows because you feel like we're part of an event now. Yep. And so I think that's absolutely, I think there's a place for, for that. And I think that we need to look at all these clubs because I think they need to come back in and be part of that because then they have a sense of ownership. They have a sense of purpose. So you, to answer your question, you bet I do. I think that that's, that's another part of this whole drive is how do we get the teams and the teams and the clubs back involved again, become, become more involved in from the community into the racing side of that. Nice. Dirk, okay. could, could you talk about some of the events you've got uh, on the calendar? Well, when we started putting this together, so I have my events next year, I have the hill climb series and we've included, we've upped that from three this year to four next year to include Snowbird Hill Climb. Right. Snowbird's already signed off on it. We're really excited to see that one back. That used to be, I can remember getting five and 600 people at the Snowbird Hill Climb. Wow. Um, so we've got four races in the Hill Climb series next year throughout some at the front end of the, of the season, some at the back end of the season. We've got Tax Day Circuit Race. We started out as Tax Day. It's now the Tax Day Omnium. It was two events this year. We brought the Gap Road Race back, which was awesome. We, the circuit race, we kind of changed dates around a little bit. Next year, it will be four events over three days with a time trial of crit, the Gap Road Race, and the circuit race. We're bringing the Midvale Criterium, and we finally we got approval on Monday of this week. So May 22nd will be the Midvale Criterium. So I'm excited about that. June 25th will be a brand new time. We got the course yesterday. Up north will be the Need for Speed time trial, which I will tell you, it is a speed time trial because it is as flat and as straight as you can make a road. It, there is not one, there isn't even an anthill in this road. It is straight for six miles and turn around and straight six miles coming back. And if you, if you're a time trialist and all you want to do is put your head down and roll, this is going to be the place to do it because it is literally, I, I mean, you can see the turnaround six miles away from the start line. That's how flat this thing is. Right. Um, and we've, we obviously have, we're so excited to see Salt Lake Crits back next year. They're, even though they're not my events, they have already agreed to what we're calling to become gold star events. We know from last year, two incredible days of crit racing. I mean, if you didn't get a chance to see that, that those were two incredible days. And I know that Alex and Eric will be announcing shortly the courses and, and what we're going to do there. Um, but then the option is that, um, we will meet with the event directors. I know the UCA, we were going to originally do it on the 18th of November, but the UCA is 
schedule their meeting on the 17th. So we'll probably push the event director meeting back um, to after Thanksgiving, sometime the first of December, we'd like to get the event directors, the, all the event directors or potential event directors lay out what we need to be a gold stamp, a gold star event. And we're inviting any, this isn't inclusive just to Dirk's events. Anybody who wants to do an event will list it on the calendar on Utah cycling events. They will be listed. If they're a gold star event, they have to obviously meet all the standards and we want all the information on the website, on the Utah cycling events page for that ride for that event. So riders can start going to one place to find out all the information. They don't have to go over here or over there, you know, go to bike reg. Some of it's on bike reg. Some of it's on over here. Some of it's over there. It's a, the, the website is meant to be a one-stop shop for cycling in the state of Utah. But those are the events that I've got, and I've got them almost all are in the permit process. Now, the one thing, the major thing that, that if you're a gold star event and you agree to all the rules, the number one rules is once you put it on the calendar and once it's confirmed and all events have to be confirmed by February, January 31st, February 1st, you cannot cancel the event for any reason except, <laughs> you know, COVID or, you know, something happens, but we'll help you make sure you get your permits. We'll work with you. If you need help, that's what we're here for. We'll make your, we'll help you make your event a success, but you cannot cancel the event once it's confirmed. If you don't want to, you know, there again, event direct, we want, we want you to put on really quality events. So if a rider sees that the event is a is a gold star event on Utah cycling events, they know what to expect when they go to that race. They know that they're going to be safe. They know that registration is going to be good. They know that results are going to be done and in a timely fashion. By timely, I mean up on the internet within 30 minutes of crossing the finish line. That's kind of the thought. That's so I there again, we will have a meeting with the event directors. Um, and invite all the event directors sometime right after Thanksgiving, the 1st of December. Very cool. Dang. Great changes. Um, a lot of stuff that's on been on Jason. And I mean, as we've talked through this season, um, a lot of great stuff that's changing. I mean, cause we constantly ask ourselves, this is the most beautiful, incredible place to ride. Why aren't there more opportunities to race? Um, so I just am grateful Dirk, that you would take the lead uh, with your experience and your uh, connection. So thank you. Yes. Thank you. This will be great. Um, I did want to switch gears, not entirely dirt, but, um, I would love for you to give advice to, to listeners on a lifetime of learn what you've learned. If you have a couple pieces of advice that you would share, uh, up and coming rider racer, uh, someone trying to balance life and racing, uh, training advice, anything that kind of comes to mind that you would pass on to another generation that you've learned over a lifetime? Well, you got like 10 or 15 hours here. <laughs> Maybe you, you know, should just save them and say, join the community rides and Dirk will share these, uh, words. Yeah. With I'll tell you what, that, that's a, that is probably the, the most valid point that you made right there. That's <laughs> where you learn about, that's where you get to share all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, I can, I can go back and, and say, I can tell you a time when 
I rode with, I mean, I have so many stories and, and it's not just in Utah. I mean, I lined up, I've lined up with Tour de France riders and Giro d'Italia riders in the master's fields in Europe and, and got my butt handed to me. But boy, I got to tell you, go ride, go look up who Danny Clark is out of Australia and realize, and, and when you're in a break with a guy like Danny Clark, and it's like, oh, my God, is that a story to tell your kids? <laughs> when you're riding on Marty Jemison's wheel through a muddy patch up in the, in the middle of nowhere because he's getting ready to do Perry Rebay. Mm. And you come out looking just like you had done Perry Rebay, mud everywhere, and, and go home and just be tickled pink that you got to do that. You know, go, it, it's amazing, but cycling is, there again, it's, it's. you know, I, I realized that it, it, when I started, I kind of became so obsessed that I used to drag, I mean, I used to drag my kids to mountain bike races and road races. And my, I mean, we let, that was, you know, we, we had a camper and we'd go do races and then when we started promoting races, all of my kids, I mean, I could send, I could send my 16 year old daughter to a bike race and she could run a bike race when she was 16 and do registration. I I mean, I think the thing to remember is you, you really have to have that balance. Don't forget your kids are only kids once. You got to make sure you car, you can become so obsessed that it's like, my coach told me I got to have five hours today, so I'm going to go ride my bike for five hours. I can remember, you know, being in a closet when we didn't have much of an apartment, riding my trainer in a closet, trying to get away from the kids. I mean, learn, learn to enjoy racing your bike. And just because you don't win doesn't mean you're not a winner. <laughs> You know, the unfortunate thing about bike racing is that we only remember, I mean, and, and we have very short memories. I mean, a lot of people can't tell you who won the Tour de France this year. Or, I mean, how about the Vuelta? Or who won Antelope Island in the 35 plus? We were only first place until the next Saturday when we get to do it all again. And don't become so obsessed that you forget and lose track. Because I did in my younger years. There was a few years there where you would, my wife came to me once and said, okay, that's it, time out. Because you didn't win this weekend and I would be unlivable. She couldn't live with me until I got to race the next weekend. If I finished second, it was like, I, you couldn't live with me until I got to race the next weekend. If I didn't win, I was miserable. And so you can't, and, and I was wrong. That wasn't the right way to do it, but that was me. So you got to balance the ride, work, family. And, and I will say, first of all, don't lose track of your family. They can be part of the cycling, but don't, I mean, your kids are only kids once. So go to the soccer games and then go ride your bike. Don't ride your bike while the kids are playing soccer because you, you'll, you'll regret it down the road. I can tell you that from experience. Cycling, you, there's always another bike race. I'm 66 years old. I don't have to worry about what my kids are doing. So I can go race my bike and not really 
you know, my wife doesn't even, you know, I've got a bunch of old geezers, you know, me and Louder and Charles Palmer, and we go race bikes because we don't have to worry about, you know, what happens. But you can, you can balance, you can have a work life cycling balance. You just have to think about it a little bit. And don't be in a big hurry to get a coach and as a cat four, as a novice rider, <laughs> because all you really need to do is ride your bike. Go on a group ride. You'll learn more on a group ride as a cat, as a novice or a cat four rider. Then start thinking about having a coach. Don't, and don't be so enthrilled with Strava and all that swift I hear all these guys, yeah, we're going to do a swift race this afternoon. I'm looking outside and it's blue. It might be 30 degrees, but it's blue. Man, go put a pair of tights on, two layers, whatever it takes, but go ride your bike outside. I, I, I can show you, I should show you pictures of when Terry McGinnis and I, God rest his soul, we were out riding when it was two below zero and we came back and our you had to stop and beat your water bottle so you could take a drink. <laughs> as, uh, and as long as the road was dry, we didn't care what the temperature was. Forget about all that. Man, if it's dry, put on some, there's some great clothes out there. Go ride your bike outside, man, because that's where it's at. You're not going to get better riding. Not, you can maybe get stronger, but you're not going to be a great bike racer or a bike rider. Because the minute you, I mean, in the springtime, we always laugh that it's like, oh, my God, let's go off the front because everybody's been on Swift and you touch them and they fall over. <laughs> so, that, you know, I, I just think that this, the whole, there again, I think this whole picture that we're trying to put together this whole program really starts on the community side and rolls downhill from there because you can learn all you can hear all the stories and I, you know what I've got 10 boxes in the old days I have to laugh because we used to wait I mean we used to wait until we could buy a tape a VHS tape of the of the Tour de France we had to wait four or five months while Phil Liggett went back and and put it on tape and then would buy tapes and then it went to DVDs. Heck now I can get up in the morning and watch, watch the Tour de France from every single, I mean, I can watch bike racing all year long on TV. Go back and look at some of the history, man. Cycling is an incredible sport. I mean, it's, there's so much history and there's so much history in Utah. There's a lot of, a lot of top pros rolled through this community back in the day. Nice. Jace, any follow-up? Um, no, I mean, I just have really, a lot of what you've said has really rang true. I think for me, I, I love what you're doing with the race calendar and the site and the one-stop shop. I think that's something that is really necessary. So people know, I think one of the first things you need is to know that there's events and where they are and when they are, because right now they've kind of been scattered all over the internet and you have to hear about them through word of mouth so you never know if you're going to like it till you try it and this will give people more opportunity to try and then encouraging people to to ride with other teams and ride with other people and create a community i think is is probably more important than we realize because we we do have a tendency to just kind of ride within our clubs and you never you know, 
spread the love and spread the joy and encourage people to try new things and, um, you know, hang out together. I think that's important. The sport deserves it. Well, and I would, I would encourage, I would encourage you guys, I would encourage everyone to go look at the website. It's there. I mean, everything's there. If you want to be a ride ambassador, share your, share your group ride information on the, on the group ride and let's get them listed and make sure you're going to the Utah cycling events, Facebook page and make, because that's where you're going to be able to see all the, all this. It's not going to be, it's going to be about the community, but it's going to be monitored. So you don't have to go through a lot of stuff, but that's where we're going to keep things rolling. And please, if you see Mike Fogarty out there, or I, I will tell you the one thing is Mike's with first endurance is behind it financially, but cool. The clothing company who sponsors a team, they're doing all the pricing next year, except for the pro men and pro women. So they're really throwing a lot of high quality stuff and it's all going to be logoed with event logos mm-hmm. and DNA cycling is really more along on the community side and Joe and Seth do an incredible job at DNA cycling. If you haven't looked at their clothing, but please go stay. And if anybody has anything, I don't want to there again, I don't want to be in a, in a, in a, my little micro universe over here thinking I'm doing the greatest thing and, and causing problems and, and, and upsetting people. Tell everybody, my phone number, I'm the easiest guy to find. I mean, literally email me, text me, call me. If you don't like me, there's 12 or 13 advisors. Talk to one of them. Talk to, I mean, have your guys talk to you and you can talk to me. I'm not, not above reproach by any, by any stretch of the imagination. I want this to work. I I mean, I'm, I'm locked into this thing for three years. I'm given this three years. And hopefully in that point in time, we see road cycling back to where, at least in the state of Utah, where it was at the heyday. And I think we'll get there, but it's going to take all of us to do. Nice. Well, thank you, Dirk. Um, That's why we had you on. Uh, this group can hopefully be a huge resource for you and an example to the community and uh, and lead the way. So we're grateful for you uh, showing us the way for for uh, everything. And hopefully we'll, uh, man, after three years, look back and say what a fun thing that we were a part of. So thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. And and we'll see you. To, I think you'll we'll see you tonight. Right, Stuart? Yeah, we got a advisor meeting, right? Seven meeting tonight for an hour or two. So can't wait. My fourth is like my fourth, maybe fifth job. I can't wait to be a part of it. <laughs> That's the one nice thing about being retired, guys. I said when I retired, I'm just going to go race my bike. And all of a sudden, race day and race day event software. And now this, I'm back working full time again from five in the morning until eight o'clock at night. So, um, yeah, retire, retiring is not, it just doesn't work. So don't, it, don't, just don't ever do it. Just change gears and find something else to add to the pile. Nice. All righty, Dirk. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate you both. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. And let me know if there's anything I can do to help you guys. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jace. Ciao. Bye-bye. Hey, bye.